Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Mind Your Business, a podcast about amazing entrepreneurs doing every single thing in their power to be amazing because you can also be amazing. And they're sharing their real life experiences, lessons, and mindset. And today I am here with Michaela. But before I get to that, I also want to remind you about your amazing podcast host from Mailbird, me, Victoria Taylor, and Nicole Stevens. (laughs) So, Michaela, who are you? And we already know why you're amazingly awesome and why you had to be on this podcast. Uh, So I want you to just introduce yourself to our audience and let them know what you're all about because you walk the walk and you talk the talk. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm Michaela Wayne. I am a woman in construction. I own several construction-related businesses, but predominantly work on a marketing agency day-to-day. And um, I fight for equality, diversity, and inclusion within the construction industry. I was also on um, British The Apprentice uh, a couple of years ago, which gave me a good platform to be able to talk about the issues within the industry. Nice. So first off, I am somebody who uh, my mom was a project manager for 15 years in construction. I studied structural engineering and I can tell you for a fact mm. that if you are a woman doing construction, you have to know your, you have to know what you're doing and you have to study and you have to have everything down pat 10 times more than a male because they're always going to test you. They're always going to push your boundaries. So why out of everything construction? To be honest, I fell into the industry by accident. Um, I'd always been in and around property and construction. My um, my mum has an estate agent and my dad is a builder. Um, so they've always like bought houses and flipped them. So we've been on quite a lot of construction sites as kids helping them out. So I always loved it and I was in and around it. Um, but I was actually at university doing religion and special needs, which is obviously very random in comparison. <laughs> and uh, I took a year out, went living with my dad and he said, I have to get a job. He was like, you know, cause I was being a typical student, just getting drunk every night. He was like, you need to get a job or I'm gonna kick you out. I, I shopped about and I got accept- I got offered two jobs. One of them was Greg's Pasty Shops. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, Victoria, but it's they sell pastries and things and they were these awful hernets. I was like, I cannot. It's the best. It's the best. <laughs> it's lovely pasties, but I thought I cannot be in my Bolton Town Centre with this hernet on every weekend. My friends will kill me. So um, the other one was working for a construction magazine selling advertising in this magazine. And so I took that job and it, it just transpired that I was very good at selling advertising in a construction magazine, I guess, because I understood the industry somewhat um, and decided to not go back to university because I was earning quite a lot of money doing what I did. And yeah, it grew. We, I grew from there. I ended up starting my own business after hitting a glass ceiling. And I don't Were you know- always thinking about starting your, your business? Did you always have this entrepreneurial mindset? I mean, I know you said that you saw your parents with real estate and construction. Did that start from your earlier age? Were you influenced by someone or was it after you've gotten this job and with everything you've learned, you decided I can do my own thing? Yeah, so there was a couple of reasons, really. Number one, I am unmanageable. I think most entrepreneurs out there are just you just know yourself like somebody cannot tell me what to do I am just deeply offended if they do um and so I'm just one of those people by nature who 
has their own mind and has to do their own thing. I can't really be influenced that easily. But the, the other thing was I always knew I was I was going to have money. I just knew from a child. We we grew up very poor. We had free school dinners, free school uniforms. We was we was living on the breadline, really. I, yeah, we were super poor. And my mum got into being a state agent later in life. When I was younger, she had three different jobs: being a security guard and being a cleaner and all sorts. So I just always knew when I'm older, I'm going to have children, and my children won't have to go to a special shop and get free underwear to go to school. So that was in me. I just never really knew what I was going to do. And then when I got this job at the construction magazine, I, I changed to a competitor business. And there was very young at the time that the company was very young and they was only doing maybe £6,000 turnover a month. And when I come there, I was like, we should do this, we should do that. And like help them to recruit people. I was headhunting people who were new in the industry and um, saying, you know, like upsell, cross-sell, retain customers and just stuff that they hadn't heard of. I think without me being there, it would have kind of been a fly-by-night company. But I loved that project and being able to bring something more to it. And after a couple of years, maybe two or three years, we, I'd got them to doing over 100 grand months, uh, £100,000 a month sales. They was doing really well. And I know what the profit margins were at this business. I started being more inquisitive into how they started the business, how they ran the business, and just getting a feel for the business because I'd never been in that environment. So understanding what you know what what it takes really and um a couple of years in they said they was going to recruit a sales manager because I was kind of a makeshift one at this time so naturally myself and everybody who was working at the company thought Michaela's going to get this job because I was pretty awesome um but they said no Michaela we want um there's no point in you applying for it because we want an older man so at the time I was like 24 and I'm like, what do you mean you want an older man? I'm like, and obviously I proved myself, I know how to do this, but it was two blokes running the business and they was young themselves. And I don't think they realized that this was discrimination. I think they actually just thought, this is what a sales manager looks like. So I want that person to come who looks. That was that predestined glass ceiling. Yeah. They just put there because they probably didn't know any better. They just thought it has always been that way. Who is this girl saying that she wants to take this position? I, I think that's exactly, I, I don't think, I know there was, you know, there was nice chance. They, they genuinely was. And there's, there's no hard feelings now. I mean, I'm doing really well without them. So how can there be hard feelings? But and they give me the push feeling that I needed. I just thought I'm going to sit here forever and, and never do anything more than be, than be a sales rep, which is fine if that's what suits you. But I didn't want to do that for the rest of my life. And at the time I, I was 25, I just, found out I was pregnant as well. So I hadn't told them that yet, but I found out I was pregnant. I was like, I'm going to have to stay in this job because, you know, maternity leave and all that. And so they brought the sales manager in and to add salt to the wound, they asked me to train him. I was just like, oh my God, what is this like? So I was like, hormonal, losing the will to live. Like, right, okay, I'll just do what I do, get by. I had my son and then... When he, I, went, I had to go back to work when he, he was two weeks old because his dad was unemployed. So it was all quite stressful. And whilst I was working there, I got to about five, when he was about five months old, and I just thought, you know what? I have had, I've had enough of this. This is an ass log. I'm not seeing my son. I'm never going to get promoted. I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life. At this point, I felt like I'm not being treated properly now. You least. were undervalued even after proving that you brought the revenue into the company and literally 
gave blood to this company so it could live. But but even beyond that, I was going to say that we all do this to ourselves anyway. Like we think, okay, this is what for so long, this is what like a leader should look like, you know, and it's great to see you've broken the mold there. Like, you know, actually we have this level of imposter sh- syndrome. I wonder, do you, did you have imposter syndrome at that point? Or was it like you felt you could genuinely do this? Yeah, no, honestly, I don't really suffer from that at all. Everybody gets fleeting thoughts, but there's never been anything where I've ever thought I can't do that to the point where I've done too much stuff and some of it I definitely couldn't do. (laughs) So it's not naturally to you or did you just like pick up the, the mentality along the way? When I was growing up, I know I'm not supposed to swear on this, but I have to swear to it so that you understand. <laughs> my mum my used to say to me, there was two teachings in life that have honestly stuck with me forever. And I will tell my children the same things, that when you are a woman going into a working environment, you have to have bigger balls than a man to be able to succeed. And the reason for that is... It, my mum grew up in the 60s, so it was a different, you know, it's not it's not the same now, but in my industry, it pretty much is in construction. You do have to do that. You work double hard and be seen as half as good. It just is what it is. So she'd always taught it to be really, really tough. And my dad was really soft, really soft. And he's always said to me, Michaela, you can do anything that you set your mind to. It's like, you know, the prime minister is the same as you. They all started out the same in life. There's nothing that you can't achieve. Be a surgeon, be a dentist, be, you know, whatever you want to be. It's possible as long as you work hard to try and achieve it. So I've always known that I have to be really tough and I have to just work really hard. And I'd only ever seen my parents working hard. I didn't know anything other than you work really hard and you get by. So it it wasn't something that I kind of developed. It was just taught to me from a young child. These are the things that you can do and, and you can literally do anything then. You have that control. You have the control to go and learn a new skill. If somebody is unhappy in their job, all you have to do is learn a new skill. People put the challenges and the barriers in themselves thinking, what about my mortgage? What about my children? What about my neighbours? What will my parents think? But ultimately, just do it in the evenings. I, I don't feel like, I, I understand there's restrictions to things, but inevitably, we can do whatever we choose to do if we just work really hard and we're smart about it. And I've, I've just always been taught that. So whenever there's been anything, I've just thought, yeah, I'll be able to do it. I'll figure it out along the way. I think lots of entrepreneurs think that way. You know, you are never 100% ready, but you just figure stuff out as you go along. And I was more than willing to, to take that challenge once I'd hit the glass ceiling and I wasn't able to be with my son as much as what I wanted. Yeah, I decided one dinner time, handed my notice in and, started trading the next day to be honest the rest is history <laughs> so what do, so what does the glass ceiling actually feel like how does one think okay I've hit the glass ceiling like what are the signs what were the signs for you that you had hit that glass ceiling it Apart was just... from training somebody that yes. they brought in without giving you the position obviously that was the nail in the coffin honestly there's, there's been a few things just along the way like I've asked if I could run my own office earlier on I'd said we're in Bolton Town Centre which is just a small satellite town to a bigger city Manchester and I'd said to them let's go to Manchester there's miles better sales reps there there's just more people we'll be able to get more people in there I'll run the office I wanted to to go and to do my own thing and for my ideas to be to be heard really and in in some senses there was because I was able to turn the business around but it was it was in the traditional ways it was in my ideas was heard if it fell in line with what they already thought as well if it was anything out of 
what they had imagined, it was never going to be listened to. And this had happened a lot over the years. I, I believe there was a lot of missed opportunities over the years. This just goes on over time and a collection of things you start thinking like, mm, I'm not I'm not wrong about everything there. And then obviously when the opportunities get promoted and it, and it not, I mean, just being out of the equation before I even could interview for it, couldn't even listen to what I had to say. I was just, I was done at that point, to be honest. But like I say, I was pregnant. So I felt like I had to stay. I were, there was no way I was going to risk starting a business whilst pregnant because even I'm not like <laughs> Do you regret or do you think that when you decided to stay when you were pregnant, it was a good choice? Because there are other people who probably were in the same position as you and they're wondering, you know, am I making this decision out of fear? Because there, you literally had another human being that was depending on you, you know? So do you think yeah. you would have done it differently or do you think you made the right choice as you transitioned to where you are? Yeah, I wouldn't ever advise anybody to not start their own business because they're pregnant or because they're as a man, if you know, you, your girlfriend's expecting a child. I'd really struggled with having children. I'd had a lot of, I'd had a lot of miscarriages, to be honest, before I got pregnant with Harrison. Um, and so when I was pregnant, it, every day was very worrying. I was on a lot of treatment and it was, it was a stressful time in itself just being pregnant. So I didn't want to add any more stress to that by, by doing something else. And I couldn't, even though I was employed by these, I wasn't able to actually work all the time because I was I was actually bed bound for three months um, to make sure that the pregnancy remained viable. So it was just, for me, that definitely was not the right time and there's zero regrets whatsoever. My son comes above and beyond everything. But for other people, I wouldn't say don't start your own business when you're pregnant. With my, my second son, I, I launched a business off the back of The Apprentice. And at my launch party, I was actually in labour. So with my second son, it was a totally different story. I absolutely went for it. So each to their own, whatever is right for you. It was more health reasons for me that I didn't go for it at that point. Firstly, just so sorry about your your losses. And it's, well, there's something good about you sharing that because it's, I guess, there's so many people, women, female entrepreneurs, and probably, you know, um, male entrepreneurs who experience that as well. And having a loss like that can impact your confidence and and so many areas of that so how did you compartmentalize to really get you know shit done <laughs> yeah I mean it's been challenging and I think people shy away from what are you know difficult times in your life but it's a reality of that's who this podcast is about finding out about entrepreneurs and what drives you and that was one of my driving things when Harrison was born I was like he is a miracle child I was told I couldn't have children and he was born I'm like I'm looking at him like oh my god my life now revolves around you and then I was having to go two weeks later, I was back sat in an office, you know, I was still in pain from giving birth. I'm like, oh, couldn't even sit down. So this is just like, this is just reality. And I would look at Harrison and just think, how am I giving you more? I need to give you more time. I need to give you more money. I want to give you the absolute. So he changed my life totally. And I do, you can look at your family and potentially having children and marriage and all that as a hindrance to things. And it can, you know, it can stall things. But for me, Harrison saved my life. He completely changed the way that I looked at things. And it was that final push that I needed to go, I'm absolutely going for this. I always knew I wanted money for children, but I've never had children. So then when it came, I'm like, that is it. I am on it. And I, you know, I've never worked as hard as when I first started the business. I was working around the clock. I'd given myself two jobs, basically. But I knew in the long run, this is going to pay off. And after about 12 months, I was able 
him off at nursery, pick him up, da, da, da. and I got that time that I wanted. So you can't turn off the feelings of what it is like to have miscarriages and to, to have these kind of losses that never that never goes away it lives with you but it becomes part of you and it's how you use that then you know you can use it to go into yourself you can use it to to let it hold you back or you can use it to to make you push on and make you drive you to do better things and that's how I dealt with the losses and dealt with the wonderful gift that is my son Harrison. So as you were going through starting your business and I would say, one, what was your support system like from your family or your friends? And two, what were some of the challenges that you faced while you were starting your first business? Because, you know, your first is where you learn most of your mistakes. Your first is where you, you figure, really figure things out. But you were seasoned in your industry, but it was, you know, it was your first time having a business of your own. So what was the support like and how was that journey for you? Support was good in that people would help with, with childcare and my family was great and there was like, go for it. I didn't have, I don't have a negative family. Everybody's very optimistic. So everybody's like, yeah, go for it. You know, if you need any help, I'm like, you can't help. And nobody's got experience in it. But, you know, the thought was there, like, if we could do anything, I'm like, come and sell some advertising. You can't. So the support was good very like you know, cheering you on really, but there was no support in that. I had, I didn't have a mentor. I had no coach. I didn't even know this was a thing until about four years ago. So I didn't really have anybody to turn to or to look for advice. However, there was a butcher's across the road from my office and a really old man, he must've been maybe 80 and he was still in there all the time, like being a butcher with his two sons. And I said to him, what is a tax return? <laughs> and I know that sounds stupid when you first started a business, but nobody I knew was an accountant and nobody had a business. And he was like, oh, you've got to have this done. And these are the dates. And I was like, how do I record everything? And so he taught me really old school because he was old school. He was like, this is a painting book. This is your paying out book. So save all your receipts and then save all your invoices and you've crossed them off against each other and you're left with your profits. And I just, all I, I didn't know about like Sage or Zero or any of these obviously amazing tools that I was using a pain in and a pain out book. And then somebody introduced me to an accountant and my life got a bit easier. So I did have him to rely on, but I would just soak up information. Anybody who was a local business owner or anybody who had any interest in business or sales or marketing or was doing anything. I was not shy about saying, like, can you help me? What am I doing wrong? Like, what do you do? And any opportunity where I would cross paths with anyone, I would try and get as much advice as possible to help guide me into the right way to do things. What I say to everybody now starting a business is get an accountant from day one because I actually lost my first business and it's something that I'm not proud of. I, I lost an awful lot of money and I lost my first company due to the accounts. It was probably the pain and pain out but scenario. But then I, I got an accountant that wasn't fabulous, to be honest, and I don't think he could deal with a company. We grew very fast and he couldn't deal with the amount of money coming in and going out. And what we was doing, he didn't know how to advise on that because we went from zero to 100 grand within each month, turnover each month within three months. So he he just didn't know what to do. And I obviously didn't have a Scooby-Doo. So in the end, I actually lost that business. I managed to sort it out. I had to remortgage my house and start all over again. But we've got there in the end. So that would always be my key piece of advice to anybody. If there's something, and not just accountancy, if there's something that you know 
you are not good at or you are not knowledgeable in, then just get an expert and get the best expert that you can afford as well. We got somebody who was a friend of a friend He's been struck off from being an accountant now, obviously, because it's terrible. So, and at the time, we could have afforded somebody a lot better, but we didn't. We were always trying to save money because we didn't understand money. So, I would always say, whatever it is that you're trying to achieve, get the biggest budget that you can and get the best person to, to do that job so you don't end up in a pickle like we do. Yeah, I think I've even noticed this. I mean, I've been following you for a couple of, well, since 2017, pretty much. And I've always seen this with you is that you're so humble. Like that's something I've always recognized. You're so humble. You've had a lot of successes in your life, but actually you never feel like you're too, you're always learning from someone else. And even on your LinkedIn, like you're always asking for recommendations and putting yourself out there and and just soaking up that information still. So that's something I really admire. I would also say, I mean, following you, I mean, I've been following your stuff from 2022. <laughs> I would also say that I would also add that you're confidently humble. Because I think when it comes to women, when we use the word humble, especially for our listeners, we expect women to be humble. But you are humble in a different way. You are humble in a very powerful way not a quiet that's way. such a good point that is such a good point yeah. yeah the way that you present yourself is strong and powerful and you're strong and powerful because you lean on the community and the information you're not afraid to share your failures you're not afraid to ask someone for advice and i mean there are very few that a lot of people don't even think that i can ask someone who's not in my industry who has a business or business advice because there are just these basic simple things that go across the board so that yeah. alone, I mean, I mean, probably for you, it was like a no brainer. But for somebody else who's listening is like, what? That's something I can do as a thing, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, I'm 12 years in business now. And off the back of my first business, I've set up several more. So I understand the processes of things. I am not naive enough to think that I am the best or I know the most about anything. I, I run a marketing agency and I will still speak to other marketers about what are you learning? What's new? What's coming into the industry? And especially the younger generation, you shouldn't look to somebody's turnover or to their amount of staff and think, I need to go to them for advice. That's where I want to be. That's great. You, you know, if that's where you want to be, fabulous. But look to the next generation as well. Look to older generations. There's so much that will be taught traditionally that you can take from them, especially about, you know, not being like crazy with your money. If you're new to money, like I was at one point, you know, Louboutins, oh my God, I must have bought like 20 a month. I was just going wild. Like, oh, look at me. Amen to that. Amen to that. I was not like, oh, I'm going to invest in a new website. I'm going to, I'm going to invest in some <laughs> 110s. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, you know, but learning from, again, older generations who, who have said, like, you you know, you should store money away. You need to do this and invest in here. And like, investments I knew nothing about. I didn't understand money because I've never had it. So you need to speak to all different people and not just those who are on paper more successful than you. Just anybody. I'm, I'm interested in people anyway. So anybody who's willing to give me some advice or talk to me about their life and something I can pick up from that or something that I find interesting, then you you know you should take that on board. Or else you just you're going to remain the same. You will hit a point and you will just 
remain the same and that will reflect on your bottom line as well so the more that you're learning the more that you're pushing the more that your business will learn and the more that that will push and eventually that's when you'll start seeing the growth go up but you you cannot stop as a business owner it has to unfortunately to continue until you exit so don't think it gets any easier because it does not So, Michaela, I mean, that is such a good point. But I wanted to ask you, so what is your actual biggest fear then? So you, you are the strong person in a confident, humble way. What is the fa- what's your biggest fear? For a while, my, my biggest fear was not having enough money, was losing the money that I'd become accustomed to at this point and in it all going wrong. But to be honest, I did lose the doll that that time. And I was like, actually, it's not that bad because I think if you you can make money once, you can make money forever. Uh, You'll always find a way if that is the person who you are. So now there there isn't, it sounds really corny this, but my my biggest worry would ever be to get to a point in my life where I was unhappy, whether that's unhappy with business or with my partner or with my children. I don't want to live a life where I look back and I'm like, if only I didn't work as hard or if only I would have seen the children more or if only I would have worked harder. So I try and reassess and reflect frequently on where I'm at where I wanted to be but what I have achieved in that time so I'm all I'm really um, push for goals so I'll set monthly quarterly and annual goals personally and within my business and I make my staff do the same as well reluctantly at times but then at the end of the year this year particularly I thought I'm not where I wanted to be I wanted to be doing x amount millions turnover and we hadn't achieved it pandemic and all that but not just the pandemic probably failings from from a managerial level as well there's more that we could have done. So I was disappointed in myself. So I sat down and I wrote everything that I've actually achieved over the last 12 months, where I've been on holidays, what I've done with the children, and then where our turnover was last year, where our staffing was, and and the new products and services that we've implemented. I wrote it all down. I was like, actually, I have done so much in this last 12 months. I want to stop beating myself up because I didn't hit the goals and it was nowhere near, but maybe there was unrealistic for that time. I have been able to achieve all of this. So let's go again. Let's set the goals again and let's see if I can push on because otherwise I would have spent January really depressed and disappointed with myself and been like, oh, well, yeah, how can I make this right? So instead I was like, like reflect on the positives. What have we learned? What are we doing in the next 12 months? Let's go again. Did that answer your question? I feel like I just told you lots of Yeah, No, that, that, honestly, that answers it. But there's actually something that comes from that for me. It was like, you know, oh, and it's gone out of my mind. No, it's it's back. It's like now you've, you, you were an entrepreneur, you know, founder or, you know, maybe a very small business owner. Now you've got multiple businesses you're managing. How did you transition into that? Like, how was the transition for you? What were the steps you took? And did you have to readjust in any way your mindset from being sort of like a one-man band to kind of that expansion? One-person band. um, If I might. Also, if you could tell us, like, what were some of the materials that you used to help to adjust your mindset? So were there any books? Were there any new habits that you had to distill in yourself or habits that you had to break, you know, to get to that way so I would add on to Nicole's question and side note I don't know if you guys know but this is a podcast so it's okay if you ramble as long as we get all the details you know (laughs) (laughs) um yeah so a couple of things 
the next company that I started off my own, um, I invested in somebody. Uh, that is a far easier way to to get other companies because we had an MD who was going to sit there and who was going to run it. And I was going to help with sales, marketing, yeah, everything that you need, starting up the business, accountancy in the end. All of the things that I'd learned, whether this was this person had never done any kind of business before, but was like me and that they was very, very good at the job. So I created the actual business, but he was going to run it day to day. So that makes your job easier because it's hands off. And looking to remove yourself from a company as soon as possible is probably the key thing if you want to be a serial entrepreneur, having somebody to take over whatever role that was. And when you first start up, you know, it might be right, I'm going to get somebody to now do my marketing. I'm going to get somebody to now do my accounts. I'm going to get somebody to do the sales now. And you slowly will grow your team because you start off doing everything and it gets to a point where you can't. So what is your biggest weakness? I'll take them on. Okay, I'll take them on. And you grow it to the point where you're like, actually, no, I can remove myself. I just need the leader who's going to sit in and he's going to manage all of these new roles. But not so fast, right? Let's be honest. Entrepreneurs have a tendency to want, I mean, it's your, it's your baby when you create that business, right? So how do you know, or how did you go through the process of finding that right person who's going to take over from you? And how did you also let go? Because, you know, it's, it's, your baby it's your it's your business even though you're on how did you here you go how did you find that person and then say it's yours or was it easy for you no it wasn't easy well it was easier to be honest I'm not emotionally attached to my business I'm not emotionally attached to my house I'm not emotionally attached to things I'm emotionally attached to my time and my family. So I, that was more important to me. So it's just where you're at in your life. And having that reality check again, doing the reflection of, am I, re- am I really happy? Am I missing something? Where are things going wrong in my life? How can I build? For me, my, my, my life and my businesses are built around around me and what I want to do that was the point of me starting a business am I happy and if I wasn't it would just go away and it wouldn't bother me if I was happier working for somebody else I'd go and work for somebody else so I'm not emotionally attached to it so no I do not have difficulties saying please do this I would I am like the queen of delegation to the point of borderline laziness so I'm like do it (laughs) thank you (laughs) but I think if you know it's and I don't think there's ever going to be that right person nobody is ever going to run my business as good as what I will run it because I started it I know what I want my vision is my vision somebody else's maybe slightly different but that is also a good thing having the diversity of thought within your company is a good thing because we can get very tunnel visioned of entrepreneurs and think this is what I must do and this is the path and then the path goes off and I've got to get back but by having somebody else in there to say actually this path might be a great path as well and this would be my vision you've just you've got somebody else to spark off so I'm not totally removed from my businesses so you know I still come into my office every day and I work on several different businesses and I help to lead and run them so I'm still involved in them to a level but I just have other people managing the majority of the stuff so that if I want to go on holiday or I want to go to a school play I can do that um so I'm not don't get me wrong I'm not like totally removed from these and prepared to go otherwise at that point I would exit but I mean I've, I've got all of the roles filled what I would do day to day so I can step in with different ideas and different visions and and put out fires mainly that that's mainly what I do within all of the companies and decide who's going to do 
what. So I don't do a great, but honestly, my boyfriend says like, what do you do? And I'm like, honestly, I don't actually know. I don't do a great deal, but it's going well. So I'll keep doing nothing. So I think yeah, you financial like let's you're just starting out and you decide okay I definitely need more people on my team do you have to get to a certain financial position to do that or or do you have to just make the sacrifice if you can make the sacrifice again you you've got to weigh up what is right for you in in your life there is there's no like secret code to this so if you are happy earning five thousand pounds a month and you know you know getting your five grand a month and you've got two grand a month spare but you are really bad at marketing use that two grand and get and get somebody in who can do marketing for you you'll know yourself when that time is right when you're getting overwhelmed and you may have to take a sacrifice in what you have been taking on in order to get somebody else in but in the end that person will help you grow your business and then you'll start earning more money. So it's always a sacrifice. When you first start up, you sacrifice whatever income you had before that. And then you get it to a point and you just have to keep continue sacrificing throughout a growth period. And unfortunately, it just is, that is what it is. What you can do if, you know, some people are really overwhelmed with the volume of work is look to outsource initially rather than take somebody unemployed in-house and, and outsource to a larger business or to a freelancer so that the, the full commitment isn't there as well. You know, you can stop that relationship at any point, whereas employing somebody in-house is a bit more challenging. So look to do that and then again, wait for the growth. And you just thought you have to go off your bottom lines, your projections, refer to the business plan, make a solid business plan. You will be a million miles out. Everybody always is. But refer back to it. Where should I be up to now? I'm on like month 12 and I should have been at this point. Have I grown? What could I have done? I've not grown because of this. Understand what is happening within the business. But I would say get somebody in as soon as possible, just so you have somebody else's opinion and somebody else's thought process. And do not try and control your staff. You learn from your staff. Anybody who I've taken on, I've taken them on because they're better at that role than what I am. I've got an apprentice admin person. She's far better than me. Than she And she's, you know, 17 years old. But I don't know how to work a photocopier. That might sound stupid. I don't know how to do it. So she does that job. I'm happy to say, how do you work this bloody machine? And, and, so, and that goes all the way up to the top level. I have somebody designing websites for me. I couldn't design a website. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I know how to sell a website to somebody. I understand the process. But he will then teach me, you do this, that, and the other. So just make sure whoever you take on, you respect enough to let them do their job. Because as soon as you start controlling this situation, you're just going to make lots of chaos for yourself because you will not be able to control several people the way that you want it. You need people to come in and bring more to the party. Now, that's a really, really interesting response. So, I mean, in terms of the risk, like who's the riskiest person you or what hire has been the, the highest risk for you recently? There's not been one recently. We, we haven't we haven't done that recently. As a whole, sales reps are my riskiest because you never they could have come from other industries and been doing very well and come into this one and not perform as well. And sales reps, I was once one and still am. You temperamental, you're hot headed, you have a bit of ADHD, so they're always difficult to manage. So I, I find the the team of salespeople quite difficult and and challenging at times. But there hasn't been anybody risky to be honest. We take on a lot of apprentices and we we tend to promote from within so one of my companies was built on apprentices we we have nine in that company now and every one of them was an apprentice and now 
we're eight years in and so that obviously they've not been apprentices for a long time and they're all doing very well but we like to we like to promote from within the company and that works well at that business and we really look after our staff like they are the, the heart and brains of the company um, again because they know so much more than me about the individual issues so we're not shy about giving promotions and giving pay rises and sending them on training courses because like I say I like to learn and keep pushing myself so I want the people who are employed to be able to learn and keep pushing themselves so they might learn something that I didn't know and they can teach me something that neither of us knew and um, so I think really look at your employees not as like they're working for you but like you are they are working with you and, and what can you get from these and what do you need to give them back in return because everybody has a job and everybody has a family as soon as you kind of let go of of that and I was like that by the way that's why I'm I'm kind of saying this a lot at the beginning I was very and kind of controlling and wanting things done my way but as soon as I let go of that I was a lot happier and the business was a lot more successful across the board in all of my businesses because everybody was allowed to bring their ideas forward and stuff we haven't thought about and the the bottom line honestly went up a lot by by being able to do that well I want to, to ask, how did you get on The Apprentice? And <laughs> what thoughts came to your mind that said, I'm going to do this? Like a lot of people will watch it, you know, they'll see it, but very few people will be like, yeah, I'm going to be on that. That's for me. So how did you get from seeing it on the screen, seeing it on your TV to you standing on stage and just taking the whole thing home? To be honest, it, it was two reasons. My brother the year before had been on a show called Love Island. Uh, I'm not sure if you, if you have that in America, but he'd, he'd been on... He not know Love Island. Like, come on. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, he'd been on Love Island and he'd had so much fun. And I thought, you know, I was 33 at the time. There's no way my boyfriend doesn't want to see me in a bikini. So there's no way the general public do. I need to do something else. But this looks like loads of fun. And I was ready for a challenge. I'd felt like in business, I'd really plateaued. And I knew that there was so much that I didn't know. And I didn't know where to get this information from. So at the time, I'd been in business for seven years. And as I said, I didn't know about like mentoring and coaching and all these things. I wouldn't even know where to find one. I was quite socially awkward. Well, I still am, but the far worse then. And I was really shy. I wouldn't just talk to a group of people. You were shy? Don't lie on the podcast. Don't lie on the podcast, Michaela. <laughs> Yes, I was. Yeah. In front of a group of people, I couldn't ask individually once I got to know somebody and they'd got to know me, but I couldn't have spoken in front of a group of people. I couldn't, oh, I, well, I couldn't, even still now I, I, I suffer with it, but then I was, I was very bad. So I thought this is going to help to push my boundaries. I had I had bad anxiety growing up and I'd got over it, but it was still there somewhat lingering around. So I thought this could really help with that. It's a new challenge and I might meet some really good people who will be able to say, try this, you know, like speak to them or, you know, like introduce me to people without having to go to networking events because I really didn't like them. So that that was the driving force, really, to have a good time and to potentially meet some people at no point. And I can honestly say this hand on heart, did I ever think I would, I, I came third. I just had no clue I ever would have done that. Michaela, you came second. You came second. That's yeah. it. <laughs> I was just a reminder. Just a quick reminder. <laughs> well, yeah. Technically, there was two winners that year, so I came second. But yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. Not that I didn't believe in myself. I just thought there's just no way. It's just it was such a big thing, you know. It's on the telly. There's 
tens of thousands of people. I think there were 60,000 people went for it the year I did. So you just don't. Do that, and I also took off the pressure off of being there because you were just like, hey, let's just enjoy the ride. Yeah. And honestly, I think just my outlook on life makes made it so much easier for me I saw people getting very stressed in that situation and just really not enjoying the whole process of it where honestly I loved every minute you know I speak to previous contestants they're like oh it was so bad and this that and the other and everything what comes after and I'm like I loved it all I loved the trolls I loved all the grief I got I loved the headache I loved not sleeping and eating it was just all a brilliant brilliant experience and one that I would do a million times over but again my outlook is like enjoy the moment that you were in because you know it's not it's not going to last forever and you'll end up regretting something so yeah I went on it with a a very much a a more playful um, approach to it obviously I wanted the investment but my life didn't depend on it so it it made it I guess easier for me. So would you do another sort of reality like that again? If it was a business one, yes, I would. I, I had been offered other things like Big Brother off the back of it and a few other bits and bobs, but it wasn't... What happened after The Apprentice and during it is loads of women got in touch with me. And I mean, I had over 10,000 emails, inboxes, phone calls, and people approaching you, but there was over 10,000 messages coming from different avenues of women and men, but predominantly women saying like, thanks for representing women in construction. And, you know, like you're a great role model. How can I deal with this? And I've suffered from sexual harassment. I've had to leave the industry and all different levels of messages coming to me where I was like, oh, I'm a woman in construction. Before that, it was never, you know, a thing. I was just in construction. And then I realized, like, actually, not everybody is seeing me the way that I'm seeing myself. They are seeing a woman first and then what I'm capable of afterwards. And I didn't I didn't understand that at the time. And when I was offered to go on Big Brother, I was offered a decent amount. But I thought, if I go on that, I may be taken as a jog because nobody's seen me drunk before and I can't be in a bit of a jog. And I was like, they ply you with drink and I don't know what I'll end up being like. So I can either do this and go down this reality route, which I'll have a good time, but it may have a knock-on effect on the businesses, or I can use this platform now and go for you know the, the more serious angle and, and deal with the issue that is women in construction and what has transpired to be just EDI in construction, which is how I've got round to doing all the things that I've done. So I would have loved to have done it if it was, you know, something more serious because it is loads of fun, but it, it would have to be businessy or, or related to helping people in, in some manner because that's I guess what my brand is now. So yeah, the long version. Apologies. <laughs> No, no, love it, love it. I was going to ask you, you've learned a lot of skills. I th- I can see that over the last, I don't know, few years. So what would you say the hard, the two or three hard skills you feel every entrepreneur needs and, and three soft skills that is a non-negotiable they must have as well? Okay, so your hard skills, you mean like what you can actually technically do? Sorry. Yes. It's terminology. Well, you can tell a hard skill is understanding yes. what <laughs> Is understanding what hard skill and soft skill is. Okay, um, could you said it now. <laughs> um, okay, so I think a soft skill would be on the delegation front, like be, be able to to delegate. You, you've got to be able and to not be emotionally attached to the business or to money or to whatever it is. To and to be able to delegate and, and release that control because your life will be easier. Um, to be able to enjoy all moments in business and also to be able to learn from everybody 
regardless of their qualifications and where they're at to be able to learn from people so I guess to summarize that in one would just to be more of a people person than perhaps a lot are especially when you're an entrepreneur in general we're quite selfish so to be able to open up from that and um, and learn from people and treat people well and your hard skills I don't really know I, I guess it's it's depending on the industry definitely understand accounts to to a level that you're willing to learn it but so that you understand figures I understand figures very well but I, I didn't understand accounts and tax and things like that I think having some understanding of this is important but understanding bottom line profits, knowing if I sell this much, then it's going to cost me this much to sell that. And this is where I'm going to make money because I do a lot of mentoring and coaching with, with startups and SMEs and they don't have a clue. And they, they're like, you know, I've turned over 200 grand and, and I'm like, ah, yeah, but you've spent 210. So you, you're losing money, here, you know, to really understand those figures would be is just the biggest thing that you can do in business. Understanding sales, I think a lot of people who are entrepreneurs can start up and be very good at what they do. Um, so if that's a marketing person or if you're a builder or whatever the one thing is that you're good at, but then find it difficult to sell that to somebody and to be able to articulate what it is that you do. So being able to talk about your business, your products and services, I don't want to say the elevator pitch, but it does come in handy. Being able to, to say what that is and to understand your differences, your USPs. And I guess I don't know if this is Sorry, a hard... The three glossed over that, your USP, what does that stand for? Unique selling point. Got you. Got you. <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, so so under, understanding all, all of the, you know, the differences, what sets you aside. And then um, I think a key thing now that, uh, I don't know if this is hard or soft, so forgive me, but it will be my last point. What everybody is looking for now in any company, startup, SME, large contractor, tier one, is a purpose. What is the point of your business and that isn't just because this break will fill that gap in the wall what is the bigger point of your business what what are you doing and then being able to talk to people about that so my purpose is to help balance the construction industry to change the face of it and by being it having a purpose and me leading with that all of my businesses are doing so well because people are coming to me and being like oh and then what does she do actually so from a marketing point of view, this is, and from a sales one, is leading with purpose because then you find the people who share this communal purpose and they come to you and they'll then be inquisitive. What do you do? And so instead of you being out there and selling and marketing and saying, my product's great because of this, you are talking about the purpose of your business and people are coming, they're just drawn to you because of that. So I think it's really important and more businesses and people, consumers and businesses are looking for this, whether it's sustainability or organic or whatever it might be, local, anything like this, you need to get that purpose and really run with that because you'll find naturally over time, you'll find a tribe that is the tribe that you want. I have goosebumps right now. That was honestly, that is so true. Um, yeah, thank you so much for your, yeah, your transparency. Um, Vic, do you have any? I think my last question would be from my end would be for, let's say that you are meeting the younger version of you before you've even started, you know, 2021, you're going into everything or even a really young entrepreneur is about to 
begin his or her journey or even an older entrepreneur, you know, he decided this person decided at 40, I'm going to start being an entrepreneur or, you know, 50, I'm going to start being an entrepreneur. What's one advice that you would give them that you wish you had known before you started? It, it, it doesn't matter. You have one thing to tell them. Um, they have no idea who you are. They have no idea what you've done. What's one thing you would tell them? The biggest thing I would say would be to invest in people, whether that is monetary wise or for who you employ internally, externally, emotionally, and by paying them good wages, but invest in the people who are, who are working for you and with you um, and invest in people who need your help as well, because you don't know if in 10 years time, their business is going to smash it and then you'll potentially be one of their customers. So make sure that you're, you're investing in people. And I've got one final thing to say. So complete the sentence. My productivity soars highest when? When I've been to the gym. That's, I should have mentioned that as well. I go to the gym every day. It actually does. It makes such a big impact on my life. So the day is... It's all about fitness. A hundred percent. Honestly, yeah, definitely. If I go to the gym in the morning, I have a far better day than when I don't. So, yeah go to the gym like for me I I go to gym in the afternoon just because it's less busy but I usually my mindset is usually like oh my god I have to come here I have to go I have to go do this and while I'm in the middle of the workout I'm like oh my god I love this I have to do this this is amazing and then when I leave I'm just like I'm ready for anything what what's your mindset like when you're you're working out I hate to go 100%. I have to go first thing in the morning because I don't have the discipline to wait all day thinking, I've got to do that, I've got to do that. So I I literally get up, sort the kids out, send them to school and nursery, and then I go straight away before I've had time to talk myself out of it. I don't like doing it. I honestly don't. And then during it, I'm like, I'm too old for this. I'm generally like crying. <laughs> it's like, oh, what am I doing to myself? Um, but then afterwards, you never regret working out. I have never done anything. And afterwards thought, oh, I really wish I didn't do that. I'm always like, right, okay, yeah, I'm ready for the day now. It just, it changes my emotional state of being. I do have a bit of ADHD, so I'm always on one anyway. So it's good to burn a bit off the bit of energy so I'm not full for all. Um, so yeah, absolutely, everybody should. And it's taking that bit of time to, to yourself as well I come up with the best ideas you know when I'm I like cycling and, and going outside running as well and I, I I come up with the best ideas when I'm out and about and I'm voice noting myself like oh remember this when you get home and there's just something about being out and I live like in the countryside there's something about being out and about in the countryside that just gives you time to think about stuff and there's you know there's no phone and there's no kids and there's no laundry and there's no staff it's just me so yeah giving yourself that space to to, to think as well it's really healthy absolutely so I what I tend to do is I do my run in the morning my 2k or no no yeah no uh, two miles and then after I meditate and that for me keeps me grounded I love that I think it's a must and so many people just skip it because it is it is discipline it's not motivation you've got to be disciplined enough to just go ah, I'm just going to go and do it and if get an accountability partner or something but 100% every well everybody should do it but if you are a business owner you absolutely must find that time to take care of yourself go and do that and you will you will notice the difference it, it might take a month or two but you will start noticing oh, I've not been in the gym and I've not felt as good today and at that point when you when you know you're on mental mental state of mind and the difference between it you'll push yourself on to do it staying mentally physically and emotionally rounded as an entrepreneur as a business owner is very very important you know I think a lot of people focus on 
gotta make money, gotta make money. But if your body isn't around to to use that money in a constructive way, or if you're not happy, it makes no sense at the end of the day. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Yeah, and like I yeah. say you, you want you just won't regret. And you know what? It's nice then you turn up to your meetings. I'm like, yeah, I'm a size eight. I'm not a size twelve anymore. I want to be a size eight when I go to my meetings. So you just feel good as well. You look good. You feel good. You've got energy. You will earn more money because you've got more energy as well. There's nothing bad can come from exercising. So one hundred percent, just get out there and just do it. Don't talk yourself out of it. You've literally just got to just do it. Thank nice. you so much, Michaela. Thank you so yeah. much. If, if our audience wants to learn more about you or if you have anything currently going on, where can they find you? How can they be a part of your community? For anyone who's listening, who's, you know, wants to seep up the knowledge that you're obviously, I mean, freely uh, sharing across your social media platforms, across what you're doing. So where can we find you? How can we learn more about you? And do you have anything special planned? Because I know that you also work with small business owners. And you're all about helping people to build and to grow. So give us that information. Yeah, so I, actually, well, I'm on all social media as Michaela Way and no, I'm Michaela Way One, but predominantly LinkedIn is where I'll be talking about more business and stuff. Um, so that's the best place. And I do have a Women in Construction Awards taking place this year, um, which encompasses EDI in construction. So if anybody is from that industry, uh, then you can go to the website there, which is designandbuilduk.net. And on there, it's got all the information about that. But also, we, I'm actually due to launch later on this year. I mean, if you connect with me on LinkedIn for the time being, but due to launch later on this year, something called Entrepreneurs and Leaders Club. At the moment, we freely run like mentoring programs. We're going to take it beyond just mentorship. So there's going to be a community group. We're going to start doing live events, online events. And it's all about helping startups and, and SMEs grow. And, and scale and there's eight founders of this who are either um, startup five six seven eight and nine and run nine figure businesses so there's literally somebody at every stage of it will be able to help and that's just something that we're, we're freely doing at the moment at some point it won't be free anymore so yeah that'll be coming later on this year and that might be a, a good opportunity for people to to learn more sounds so exciting it's like a little hub isn't it yeah yeah because you know why we're doing it though because none of the folks who have started it have anybody to help everybody's kind of come from similar backgrounds to me who are who are the founders of this club and like I say no one of them's doing got a nine-figure business and he grew up on a council estate he had no clue and no guidance so we want to provide something that is is proper you know not one of these like little groups where you, you're passing on work and things and you're not really learning anything we want you to be able to learn from all the resources that are in there and the community that's in there so we're connecting everybody together on a global scale we have people from south africa and from america who are, who are leading this with us as well so we're trying to create a global community of entrepreneurs and leaders and really make an impact and a difference uh, we're going to raise money and finance businesses that um, can't raise finance in traditional routes because perhaps they have come from underprivileged backgrounds and don't have everything that they need so that it will be the purpose as I said <laughs> behind behind the business as well so um yeah entrepreneurs and leaders keep your eye out for it that that will definitely be coming soon thank you so much thank you Michaela for all your words of wisdom and I also want to say thank you for taking the time for this podcast and just building a community and just being your authentic self a hundred percent thank you so much yeah, no problem. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks very much, both. <laughs> Bye, guys. 
All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening in. Be sure to tune in for another episode of Mind Your Business. I am your co-host, Victoria Taylor and Nicole Stevens. And we look forward to seeing you. Yeah, yeah. We look forward to seeing you. See you guys next time. Bye.